Hi, welcome back to Casters of Valhalla. I'm your host, Workout Farming One, Mike Schober. With me tonight is Ken. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Cody? Hey. And once again, Veggie. Hello. So, as you might have noticed, based on the last episode ending rather abruptly, we did not finish um, everything in the in a reasonable time limit. So, we we spent a lot of time. I thought I think we had a good discussion on Romans. So now we just decided to split it up into two episodes. So now we have an episode coming at you all about Death Chasers. So, Ken, why don't you start us off with Death Chasers without Raylan? Okay, uh, so the Death Chasers are kind of unique in this um, top tier because there's only three of them, three per squad, I should say, and their only bonding choices are all large heroes, large or huge heroes. Is the Warhope huge? Anybody know off no, the top he, of No, he's hand? only large. He's only actually Death Chasers only bond with large heroes. They technically don't bond with huge. I think they'd bond oh, okay. with Raxus if they bonded with huge. Um, I think Warhope looks like he's huge. I think they just very deliberately made him only large, even though he should be huge based off his sculpt size, um, okay. because they needed him to bond with that chaser. So. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay. So they bond with large heroes, so they, they actually have uh, some interesting choices. They've got the Pulverizer, four attack, double attack for 100 points, three life. Or, I'm sorry, three defense, six life, pretty decent. You got the Ogre War Hulk for 150 points, who's got attack of five. Defensive three, eight life, if I remember collect correctly, and then he's got a special ability that can sometime attack everybody adjacent to him, which can include your own figures. So those are kind of two beat sticks they have. They also have the Swag Riders, which, you know, like, they don't really have any synergies with the Orcs, but, like, at the same time, 25 points for a guy that has eight move and disengage for a 3-3 three, three stat line isn't bad. But the two big figures, I think, that really make the Chasers solid are, is Miberksa, which we've talked about at quite you know, quite a big extent in the last the last episode, and then Nirag, which we've also talked about quite a bit in the the heavies episode. You know, another thing holding the chasers back, I think, is not only their their three man bonding squad, but they only have a two base defense. So like, it's really hard, I would think, to be able to build a competitive Death Chasers army without Nirag. And then I really think Mibrixad. As you know, I think Veggie and and Michael and Cody all talked it a pretty extensively last episode. Like Mibrixad does so much for 50 points that it's hard to build a super competitive army without Mibrixad. Though in my few times playing the Death Chasers, I actually didn't use Mibrixad. I quite liked the Ogre Pulverizer because um, that's just my kind of my play style. And the nice thing about the Pulverizer with the double attack is you are still able to eke out those five attacks, and it's actually five attacks of four, which Correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, isn't matched by anybody else in the game. I know the Redcoats can get four fours with Marcus. You've got the Hydra. Niflheim can do three fours. I guess Jotun can wild swing into five guys with four. But, I mean, the last time somebody used Jotun for a wild swing in a, in a tournament, I don't know when the last time that was. But I think, like, so I think, like, that's one of the things that the Death Chasers bring to the table is their high, their high attack capabilities. And the other thing that they have that's super interesting is the uh, the Orc Battle Rush. Is that what it's called? Battle Orc Battle Rush Veggies? Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah, Orc Battle Rush. Which um, is before you place order markers, they actually all get to move their movement of five spaces. So from the beginning of the game, you've already de- however many squads you've developed, you've actually developed. So if you bring five squads, you've actually kind of activated them five times already. Minus the heroes, so it's a little bit different. 
but that helps with like bringing Nirak up. It helps with bringing me Burksaw up because they move so much because, because they've already started moving. And I think like that's the, the, the attack of four, the ability to bond with me Burksaw, the ability to bond with Nirak to be able to boost their their really low stat line of two defense, which really is pretty low. And then if you want the pulverizer, you can get five attacks of four. Like I think they're pretty versatile in, in the way you want to play them. And I like I said, I think the things that hold them back are the two defense and also uh, the only the, the three man squad. So let's get the contrasting opinion on uh, kind of death chasers. Uh, Veggie, what are your thoughts? Because I know you you are higher on them than Ken, you're higher than on, on them than myself, and maybe higher on them than Cody. And let's stick without Raylan, at least for this point. Yeah, I think Death Chasers without Raylan are a much different build. I've had some success with them without Raylan, but it was in a reverse the whip format, obviously, and the army actually fared quite poorly. So that was in Gen Con 2019. For those who are not super Gen Con fans, I was able to go to the championship game with Death Chasers, three squads, um, Niburksa, Nirak, and then X-17 and Thoracus in there just to kind of spend some points um, away from it. But really the core of it was that Death Chaser build there. The army only went two and seven, though, and only won two games. So it, it didn't really perform that well. It was really just about winning the games I needed to win. To get back to where the army is without Raylan, I think it, it's kind of more of a, a horde rush at somebody army. I think you want to play five squads of Death Chasers minimum if you're playing this kind of build in competitive. I think Nirak is almost essential in any sort of competitive Death Chaser build. Mibirxa is less essential when you don't have Raylan, and I think that really opens up the door for the War Hulk and the Pulverizer. Um, as I mentioned, I personally preferred the War Hulk. I think it's maybe just my playstyle that I prefer him more. Um, I really haven't taken this army to a variety of tournaments with War Hulk, so I don't really know which one's better. But really, what War Hulk does is he gives you kind of a huge swing turn if you can set him up properly. And you can also play Warhawk fairly conservatively to where you don't need to set up for those swing turns. You can just kind of take one big smash of five. One thing that uh, Ken didn't mention about the Pulverizer is he has self-counter-strike, where if he attacks into a figure and that figure rolls more shields, then he has to take wounds, even if that figure does not have counter-strike. So that's a really big handicap. So I, I guess to me, that one handicap there is why, why I don't like the Pulverizer, is that sometimes you can just get into awkward situations where you or damaging yourself on your own turn. And he only, he only has six life. And if, I mean, you're, you're probably going to lose at least one life to this self-counter-strike because he's double attacking and, he, and you're, you need to make big swings with him anyways. To me, I, I just like the, the way that the War Hulk is able to... It's just like the, he can kind of swing around the board nicely. He has eight life too, which makes him a little bit harder for your opponent to attack. It's kind of the same thing as Nigaxa, where he just has so much life that it's just hard to justify attacking him rather than death chasers especially when the death chasers are low defense without Raylan. so i think war hulk is just a nice a nice piece in the army hmm, interesting with the with the war hulk versus pulverizer that that self counter strike bugs you that much huh because he's got four attack is a pretty good number of dice yeah but it's just i mean you, you can whiff sometimes i mean you whiff on four dice you know however many percent of the time 12 point it's 12 point, well, you, you just five, you just gotta you just gotta roll better veggie i don't know what the problem yeah. is yeah <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just, especially if you're going into like another Raylan army, like, I don't know. I think I, I played against Hounds with them. You know, if you're doing like four on fives, it's just, it just really hurts. And you have Pulverizer, hmm. you're doing four on fives. Like, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm, I'm on, I think I'm on Ken's side with this one. Actually, I mean, I know I am. I I don't love the War Hulk just because I don't 
love the fact that if you get yourself set up in that flail position uh, and you whiff the roll, it just fizzles out. Whereas with the pulverizer, if you know you have him in a good position, he's he's set. I mean, the self counter strike hurts, but it I believe it's only around seven percent that you whiff on four. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's yeah, yeah. yeah it's six point two five, I think. Yeah, yeah. So six and a quarter, whatever percent, which which is basically I mean six and a quarter, you can round that down to basically like it's basically rolling you know, a 20 on the D20. I mean, obviously, then they're rolling defense dice too, which increases the odds tremendously, right, when they're def- rolling defense. And that it's certainly worse in certain matchups. Like, if they're playing high defense figures backed by, like, Raylan or whatever, then sure, that comes into effect. But I just think the upside of getting five attacks of four in a turn, like Ken said, to me, that's kind of the upside of the Death, chase- the death Chasers without Raylan. And we'll talk about Raylan in a minute. Um, but without Raylan, I think really... That's, I mean, that's always what I'm looking for in these armies, right? Like, when I'm looking at any army that's not just, like, Knights or Q9 Rats Hydra, I'm looking for why am I taking this over those others? You know, what, what's what's the benefit? For me, the benefit for Death Chasers is the 20 dice. And that, that's assuming no height, too, which, guess what? With Battle Rush, it's not that hard to get height. So, which, which is also pretty pretty unique for a uh, bonding melee army because like you look at romans romans are the opposite it takes freaking forever to get height with romans that battle rush i think is huge but really it's just kind of the three defense with even backed by nirak three defense is just it's just rough it's just way too easy to lose them to pot shots and such does the pulverizer move five they yeah, both move five yeah okay and even though it might just be a slight advantage but i think just being a single base for the pulverizer it's still kind of a big deal because I mean we all remember playing Krug with the Aerogrets, the double yeah. space five five move figure is kind of slow. Um, mm. Not that not that five base single base is much faster, but it can be on maps. I mean you play Grimnak enough to know that five space double five move double space figure can be a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's a chunky boy. The thing that's interesting about Pulverizer is I think a lot of bonding melee. You kind of bond with the hero a lot of the times to get like a nice powerful attack at something that you really need gone. A lot of times with high defense, like you bring Derek in or Alistair. I think that's interesting about the pulverizer is it's kind of the opposite. The pulverizer kind of wants to attack things that it's not going to risk counter strike on, so lower defense stuff. And then your death chasers actually have higher attack. They have four attack as opposed to three. So they kind of go more for the heroes. So it's an interesting dynamic. And then the other thing about the Warhawk, I think generally, I think the Warhawk's pretty good. I just think we don't see it much with Death Chasers because it's so hard to pass up. Some combination of Pulverizer, Nirak, Miberxa, or Swags for, for 150 points. One thing I'll say is an alternative to Pulverizer Warhawk is just to play neither. Um, I know... that's true too (laughs) back in the day like gen con 2012 i think very first year i was there whatever that year was he had five squads of chasers nirak and cayman what was his build and he went to day two with that back when the meadow was still very strong to get to day two you had to to bring good armies to get to day two i mean all you're doing there is just you you have death chasers protected by nirak and you're just using their the sheer number that you have the 15 death chasers and you have cayman to kind of special attack clear out things I think that's a pretty solid build rather than trying to mess around we're throwing a big a big ogre that you have to carry around basically 
I will say one of the upsides I think of the pulverizer is the fact that it's uncommon, which is a very rare thing. The only uncommon bonding options are Warhulk, Pulverizer, and then the Wyvern, which is also one of the reasons the spiders are so good is because you can double Wyvern. And it's much bigger in that army, much bigger to have double Wyvern than it is double of any of the others. Oh, actually, I forgot uh, Werewolf Lord technically is a figure, <laughs> but <laughs> among the good figures, I guess, is what I meant. But with, with Pulverizer, I've played double Ogres before, and it's not that hard, like, at like you start with four squads of chasers, that's 220. You got double ogre, that's 420. You have some options, right? You, have, you can bring another squad. You can bring knee rack, which I think is probably the correct answer is knee rack. Um, and I think you're probably better off only bringing one pulverizer. But at the same time, with two pulverizers, you just don't care that much if one gets counter strike some because you have you have 12 health among the two of them. They're both there to just smash things. What double pulverizer does that like Nirak or Reberksa or even Cayman doesn't do is it's giving you a very consistent five attacks per turn of four dice, which is just unparalleled among the bonding melees. Most of them are getting attacks of three dice. I really do think that that army is pretty viable. And I mean, I think that's kind of the flip side. Like with Warhol, you really can't do that. And I know with the extra points there, you could upgrade one pulverizer to Warhulk. But I'm not sure. I, I feel like at that point it's kind of redundant because Warhulk is so hard to kill, right? With with eight life, you don't really need a second big. Whereas you kind of do want, you almost do want a second big when you're playing Pulverizer because of the self wounding. And I think the the big takeaway that I think all four of us will agree on is like Nerex almost necessary for these guys. Kind of like Grimnex okay. Nessus. Wait a minute, buddy. This is not the Raylan <laughs> discussion. Um, but but kind of like Grimnack is necessary for the orcs or the heavies. And really, I think most of the, I would say 90% of the time, Nirak is too. Gilbert's pretty necessary for the for the knights. I would say Nirak is almost as necessary as those two are for the chasers. Um, just bringing that two defense to, to three, kind of like what Cody was talking about, how, how when the lower defense total... It goes up in, oh, I guess that's the last podcast, technically. goes you, The increments kind of go up exponentially at first until you get to, like, I think Veggie was saying around four defenses where it kind of gets weird. Not weird, but I'll let him use a better term. I think Narek is just such a big deal because two defense really is not good. Two defense can die from, like, a rat can kill a two defense yeah, figure. That's bad. Yeah, like, uh, and I think that's where the, the biggest weakness is, is for the... Uh, the chasers is the two defense. And so I think the fact that Nirak is pretty necessary for them to be successful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd agree to agree with that outside um, of Raylan, but yeah, sure. We'll cover that once we get to the Raylan, but I think you're always going to want Nirak anyways too. So like, I think death chasers usually start off with four squads and Nirak and then whether or not you bring Raylan influences the rest of your decisions, but I think you're usually going to be bringing um, Nirak. Like for 50 points, he bonds. He can also end up in places where you want him to, like you can attack with him too. He's not just a cheerleader, whereas Raylan is. But uh, again, I I think we, we definitely all agree, even if, 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 if you don't bring Raylan, you're definitely bringing Nirak. So what about matchups for these guys? I guess that's, that's the only thing is like what... Your your matchups into bonding melee, and this is where I don't love these guys compared to Romans. It's why I think Romans are better, is because so I don't think your bonding melee matchups are good. 
with with yeah no, your, with, your bonding melee matchups are terrible like 100 percent agree with this one on death chasers i don't think there's any way to defend it their stats are just so much worse with only three figures in the squad it's really what kills them that they just have the other side has less to kill right that they're they're both more expensive per figure than the romans i think they're actually they're about the same per expense per figure as like knights Maybe even a little bit more. I'm not sure. I think they're 18, 18 and a third versus seventeen and a half, so it's really close. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but it's just you only have three in the squads, and it's just so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. It's no. it, it, it's really rough for them against bonding melee. Um, it, it's really not not what they want to do. Like, yeah, back in that same twenty nineteen, um, one of the losses that the Death Chaser Army clad when I played it was against Sacred Band. It was against your dad. Sacred bands and just out trade death chasers head to head. Like sacred band are not that great of a melee bonding squad, but they have four attacks per turn. Death chasers they have five attacks with their bonder. Death chasers only have four. It's just a huge handicap. You 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 aren't able to to win trades with melee bonding. If you if you're going head to head into melee bonding with death chasers, you're probably going to lose. One reason I like the the war hulk is he can kind of turn that around. He can give you a big swing turn and get you back into the into those games you would otherwise lose. Yeah, it, it's going to be really rough to win those games against melee bonding with chasers. That's a really good point about the War Hulk. I never really thought about that. I haven't played that matchup with War Hulk. I might have to experiment with that because that's that is something I am into is matchup smoothing, try to make those bad matchups better. So that that's really interesting. Uh, you know who else does that is as you mentioned before, Cayman. Cayman also really helps those bonding melee matchups. But I hate Cayman. Is that better though, Michael, than a pulverizer? Like. And he's still having 50 points left over. Why not both? Oh, okay. Well, hey. It's just lower variance, right? Like, you're you're, you're trying to increase the variance of the game. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That makes more sense. With the Warhawk, you're probably less likely to take me Berksa just on points. And that will probably hurt in the range matchups as well. Yeah, no, that's true. If you're packing Warhawk, you're you're definitely not going to play me Berksa. Really, the Warhawk builds are just Death Chasers, Mirak, and Warhawk. Because it's really just, it's hard to, if you have me Brixa, the Warhawk is too hard to drag along. I mean, me Brixa is going to suck away too many turns away from the Warhawk. So yeah, it, it does hurt in the range matchup to not have me Brixa. If Bonding Melee can, as a general rule, beat the Chasers, what do you think, well, like, what do you think about the matchups with, like, Trons, with, like, Stingers, with 4th Mass, Red 10th Regiment, et cetera, et cetera, Q9 Rats? Like, to me, it, I almost think that the chasers lose most of those. So I, so I feel like I'm not looking at it maybe from the the right perspective. So, I mean, it, it's harder because I feel like chasers need Raylan so much that I don't know if it's that meaningful to talk about these matchups without the Raylan because it just, it just Raylan bumps them so much in, in the contention in those matchups. But I think really in those games, you have a decent chance of winning any of them, but it's really just going to be variants that it's just if you can get on top of somebody before they get set up, especially if their army is like perforated, if they're trying to run two different things at the same time, it's a lot easier for Death Chasers to to just run and crush somebody um, without railing. So you'd be so, a yeah. way more you'd be way more aggressive. Yes, no, hundred. I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. You're, you're just going to run at somebody. I mean, yeah, you, you yeah, start okay. out one whole round ahead of somebody. If you can get on top of them and, and start pounding them before they're into you, then you can win games. I mean, that that, that was how I won both of the two games with my Raylanless Death Chasers in 2019. Was it was just I was able to get on top of somebody while they're still trying to set things up, you know, and then defines the game from there. That they really can't do anything else once you're on them pounding. And that's kind of what I was picturing, but I'm just thinking that like even 
fourth mass, if they see the, the see them getting bum rushed and there's, you know, six, 16 fourth mass, they could still, with only two defense, still shoot them as they're coming up and still have a chance to win that. So that's yeah, what I'm just... No, I mean, yeah. Fourth mass against Death Chasers without Raylan is, is just a slaughter. Death Chasers almost stand no chance at all the fourth mass. They don't even really have to get out of their start zone onto height. They, they can just stand right in their start zone and kill them, and there's there's not even a problem. It's a brutal matchup to go against those Waste and Fire squads when you don't have Raylan. They really are a tier down if they don't have Raylan, in my opinion. More so than Romans are. I think Romans can can hang without Raylan, but I don't. I think I agree with you, Veggie. I don't think Chasers are all that great without Raylan. I mean, you do have Nirak, though. I mean, so so Nirak definitely does help, but he probably just doesn't help enough, right? Um, I, yeah. I I don't. He doesn't help enough, and also Nirak himself really benefits from Raylan, right? To make it so he can't die in just one turn. Yeah, he, he, um, he's only three defense, three life. You can't kill him. I still like the chasers against stingers, though. I think. What do you? Th- what do you? What's your thought process on that, Veggie? Oh, I hundred percent. I mean, I, I think stingers honestly fare very poorly into any sort of melee. I think they just get rolled. They only have three attacks per turn. Like yeah. another believer. Stingers are really kind of overrated. They're kind of just rated as generic range, you know. Like they're really good with rats, and I guess if it's stingers with rats, then the death chasers are probably going to lose. Um, back in the day, I think that was pretty popular to run like stingers with rats and Raylan. So Death Chasers, if you add in rats, then they're probably going to lose that one. Maybe that skews it the other way. I don't know. Have you played the Death Chasers into Trons? That doesn't seem like it doesn't seem good to me. But at the same time, you can at least I feel like you have a better chance of at least killing the Trons. I mean, if they have Raylan, I think you probably still lose. But if they don't have Raylan, I feel like that's winnable. Yeah, I was just thinking that like four attack can actually bust through those glads. And then the Pulverizer or the Warhawk can just like leave. And go find some tr- go find some blast if he wants. I'm also I'm, I'm that's why I was just thinking that like they may they may be better than the the knights against Trons. What do you think about that, Veggie? With Raylan, I definitely take Death Chasers in the in the head to head with Trons. Without Raylan, I think it's a little bit sketchy because I think that the, the Trons can kind of just build a hill and then pot up and they can just shoot at those three defense Death Chasers with pings and it's gonna work out okay. So I, I don't really like it without Raylan, I guess, against the Trons. Okay, so we've spent a lot of time now saying without Raylan, without Raylan, without Raylan. I think it's probably about high time we throw Raylan into the mix. Don't you guys agree? Yes. I'm, a, I'm out. <laughs> Even more of a reason to do it. Get off my podcast, old man. So, Veggie, tell us about uh, tell us about it your is, baby, which is... What's that? It is my bedtime. Um, tell us about your baby, Veggie, which is or at least that's the way I look at it is kind of you are one of the people that really like you're, you're, you're the Jehovah's witness of this army, which is the, uh, the Meeberksa, Raylan, Nirak, Death Chasers, like that build in particular, you have spent, especially at 400 points, which I know we've uh, briefly discussed on the forums, but um, at 400 points, that army seems pretty, pretty elite. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I I do think it's legitimately one of the best armies at 400 points. I mean, I, I run it in 4x4. Four four. I think maybe one of the other only things that can contend with it's like four four times Knights Gilbert. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's so good. I mean, it, the Death Chasers are a little bit limited in their power spikes, I think I've talked about before, because they really only have two good bonding options in Nirak and Nibirxa, and you should run them both, both almost all the time. So they really are good at like 400 points. They're good at 460 when you can play, you know, five squads of Death Chasers instead of four. 
Death Chaser a bit limited in what they can do with their builds, but at when they can get their build perfectly, it's it's a very good build. It just kind of does things that other melee bonding cannot do. Like it it definitely doesn't have that same mash them up potential that Knights of West can do, where you can just lay into somebody. Like where, where you get, or I guess it's I guess you are laying into somebody still, but you're not getting mixed up with somebody, right? You're you're not trying to run into them and try to disrupt what they're doing. You're you're trying to just kill what they have before they can really even get a shot back at you. It's really what it's about. Four attack dice is, is, is significantly more than three in terms of how much damage you can do to someone's figures. I mean, I, I'm just a big fan of, of the pressure that you can put on somebody with the combination of a Raylan-backed Nuberxa and Raylan-backed Death Chasers that are all running across the board at the same time. It's, it's just a lot different of a pace than any other army can get to. Like, y- you can't be on top of your opponent that fast with any other army in the game. And I think we talked about this before, and the one thing that makes sense to me, even though you know I'm a little bit anti-Raylan here, with the Death Chasers Orc Battle Rush, you're not sacrificing... Like, I talk about how every time you move Raylan, you're sacrificing, you know, uh, a squad and a hero. With the Orc Battle Rush, and then moving Raylan on turn one or turn two or whatever you decide to move her, like, I think that that is a lot more minimal for the Death Chasers than it is for other melee bonding squads, if that makes sense. I don't know a better way to say that. It just makes it so, like, the, the Raylan is a lot less risky to develop, for one, because normally if you want to put up Raylan far, there's a risk of her getting picked off by your opponent, and you kind of just don't run that risk as much with Death Chasers, because you can just protect Raylan with Death Chasers on the following turn. You move her order marker one, six spaces as far as she can under the board, and then you just run Death Chasers up right behind her, and your opponent try to punish you for that aggressive Raylan placement. Um, so that, that's really the nice advantage to her, is that you, you can push really far on the very first turn with Raylan. And the nice thing about the battle rush is with both those heroes you were talking about, Meeberg and Nirak, they both move eight. So that for the so the orcs starting five spaces out really is not near of a big issue as it would be for like let's say Grimnak or you know Mogrim or something like that trying to catch up to the orcs because they can already pass them. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I'm just not as big of a fan of like the the ogres with them because the ogres are just so hard to get to get back up in the fight once the death chasers are just sprinting past them. You know, especially if you're investing turns in like Nirak too, because Nirak you you really want them to get them up there. Then it's already quarter marker three, and your death chasers are way ahead of you, and you're trying to bring these ogres up. It's probably just not going to work out. What I like to do is, you know, just order marker two, get get Nirak up there, and order marker three, you start shooting with Nibirx and putting the pressure on your opponent. Um, it's really just it's really tough for a lot of armies to respond to a huge horde of orcs and pressure already on them that quickly. The swags have eight moves too. Not. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. And, and and this is a question for probably maybe you and Cody both like, but do you, is there ever a time where you guys would not battle rush? No. Choose not to battle rush. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing as like if I'd ask you on the very first turn of the game, would you ever not move your Knights of Weston? I think you would say, no, I've always wanted to move my Knights of Weston on the first turn. Like, it's it's, it's always good. Well, I, and I don't know. It's like maybe you played the matchup so many times that you just noticed that, like, hey, if I'm playing against this, like, it doesn't work out. I'm just wondering. It's just a question. I was just asking. I Like, I was 99.9% yeah. so sure I it was I the right move. I answer a little bit more more detail. So when I played the, the hybrid build in the online con this year, the hybrid of Aerogrets and Death Chasers, I would intentionally place my Death Chasers in the back of my start zone. So then I'd, I would only battle rush them up a little bit forward. They'd just be right outside my start zone. 
because I didn't want him too far up because I wanted to kind of conserve them as kind of a mid-game piece rather than an early game piece. So there's definitely situations where I think in hybrid Death Chaser builds you want to preserve them. But if you're playing pure Death Chasers, which is most of the time what you're going to be doing with Death Chasers, you, you just want to run them out as far as you can. I don't think there's too many reasons to try to conserve them in the start zone. I mean, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I've read a post where someone said that they like didn't battle rush in a certain matchup, but I really can't think of any. I mean, the only thing I can think of is hiding from range, but you have to catch the range eventually with the chasers anyway. So there's not really any point in, in hiding. You have to be brave and just take it on. Like, yeah. yeah, maybe I was thinking like maybe a Laglore-backed crab agents or something. I don't know. But, but I mean, even against Laglore-backed crab, I mean, you, you, you have to run and catch them. You, you have no, no choice. So you just have to run into them at some point. Yeah, the, I guess the only thing is like if Nirak's not up there yet or Raylan's not up there yet. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking. Like I'm not saying is this better or wrong, but like unless you battle rush and depending on the map, maybe you're forced to like really lump together. And I don't know. Maybe if you're facing like Zelrig, maybe you only want to battle rush some of them to spread out more. But if you have Nirak and Raylan, anyways, Zelrig won't be as detrimental. But yeah, I'd say I don't think i've ever not battle rushed i'm in the same boat i've forgotten the battle rush i will say um i, I won oh. the one tournament game i can think of i won that game and my, my opponent didn't let me do it like he revealed his first order marker and i hadn't battle rushed yet so i mean it, it was a fair thing but i'm in the same boat with veggie where i've played some hybrid orc builds with uh, like blades or heavies and in those i tend to do very minimal battle rushes right outside the start zone because as he said you want to preserve them you only have like two squads of them they have low defense um especially in those hybrid builds i wasn't running Raylan, so they were three defense thanks to nirak but that's it so in those builds you really don't want them up too far because then they can easily die to stray shots so you're really looking to have like your blades are heavy soak up the damage instead so i guess my one point would be a um, my one point about the ogres specifically would be that I don't think it's as big of a deal as Veggie does just on, on like having them catch up. Like I, I understand if you're going to be investing a lot of time into Nirak and Miberxa, but like Nirak's usually one order marker early and then you're good for a little bit at least. Miberxa, yes, you can definitely run around with him, but it's, but even if so, if you move up Ogre once, he's already caught up to your five squads of Death Chasers, right? Assuming you're starting him in a good place where he's going to be able to move up his full five into a good, advantageous position. Be that on road, which is on a lot of maps, or be that into just a good spot. So so let's just walk through a round, I guess. Uh, so, like, Order Marker 1, let's say, is Raylan. She moves up six spaces um, to protect people, okay? So now we go to Order Marker 2. So I move up Nirak, and I move up five death chaser or three death chasers rather all let's say let's say i have four squads okay so i have 12 death chasers five spaces up so i move up let's say nirak okay and one squad now also moves up so one squad's up a maximum of 10 spaces nirak's up eight Raylan's up six flying okay so now on let's say word marker three if i move up ogre he moves up five let's say i move up another squad of death chasers five spaces forward then Ogre's still in line with half of my Death Chasers, right? He Sure, he's lagging behind half my army, but I'm not just going to... I mean, maybe maybe occasionally, depending on the matchup, you do have to rush in. Like, if they just dropped Airborne, sure, you got to take out the Airborne, especially if they give you the option. But you're usually going to be kind of slow rolling it up, at least somewhat, if you're running both Nirak and Raylan. And I understand you're not getting the threatening out of me, Burke, so that you normally would. So I'm not saying it's necessarily better, but I just don't think it's as big of a deal 
to have the ogre like quote unquote uh, catch up. Um, I guess that's that would be my point on that is I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal because he's going to be able to catch up fairly quick anyways. Well, yeah, I think the other thing that's maybe just another thing that I really like to do is take extra turns with Mirak. I don't I don't really consider him just a one turn figure, especially because the Death Chasers have such low defense. You can kind of push out of your Raylan's aura with Mirak and use him to keep the Death Chasers who you push out with still 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 decently protected. So it's much more important to do those kind of things with the Death Chasers than it is with the heavies. I mean, you can do the same thing with the heavies. You can take random turns with Mirak, but I think it's much more important with the chasers because their defense is so low to, to try to keep it, you know, keep it at three with, with Mirak when you push out of your Raylan Zora. So that's the other way that you can kind of, it's, it, Mibirks is a less turn intensive figure than having a, an ogre is. Like, well, once you get the ogre up there, you kind of have to keep taking turns with him. Mibirks, uh, if you need to stop using him for a little bit, it's fine because he's ranged. He's just sitting back there anyways. If you, if you let him sleep for a turn, it's fine. That's a really good point about Mirak. That's a really good point. I think that's, that's where your expertise in this area shows and my my admitted inexperience shows because I haven't played the the most with it you've definitely played with it more and so that, that that is a good point that's definitely a good point yeah and I know I know one of the things you've said also before on the forums on um, how you play it as well as you kind of have your pod set up and then you're shooting out with me Berkson and you're running like one death chaser out at a time uh, do you still do you still generally kind of view it as that way or what what's your thoughts is that that was an older post admittedly that was that yeah. you must have made that I mean, comment it's maybe a not couple just years. one at a time it's really just that you can one, run one out at a time and put pressure on people while you also have this big grinder of higher attack figure you have a bit you have the potential to throw more attacks if you pull somebody in um it's kind of just whatever can can make your opponent most uncomfortable i guess it's really the goal when i play the death chasers you know is what is going to make it hardest for someone to do what they want to do against me is really really my goal every time i'm playing the death chasers yeah yeah well i i think this has been really enlightening for, for myself at least so can we talk matchups now sure I imagine with Raylan, you're still bad into, you're still rough, at least, into the bonding melees, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say that melee bonding is probably, like, the worst of the matchups that, that the Death Chasers have with their, even with Raylan. It's, it's just really difficult for them to get, the, like, to just win the trade, even against... To outgrind, like, to outgrind, yeah. Yeah, like, if, if they're both on the same place on the board, you're probably going to lose... Your best chance is really to put pressure on Mibirksa and hope your opponent messes up is really the best way to put it. Like, you have to try to, you know, you, you, you just make them scared of Mibirksa, basically. You make it so, you you do some damage to them, and then they, they come to you with not enough guys, and then you're able to hit those guys out. But I, I think most really good players are going to be brave enough to not really worry about the permanent Mibirksa threat, and they're going to come in strong enough and be able to take out the Death Chasers. I, I think it, 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 it's, it's a rough game, for sure, for Death Chasers, again. The, the very top tier melee bonding build. Well, and I think it's also probably pretty rough into the lower tier too. Like I would definitely take blades into uh, Death Chasers. Like that trade well, is so efficient on the blade side. I guess well, I was, to me, I think, I, I think Grimnak is bad against Death Chasers. That is the one caveat where Grimnak is very, very vulnerable to them. He has to play super cautiously. I don't even really think you can safely chomp a lot of the time when you're playing uh, Grimnak and the Chasers. So I think Blades, I think you actually have an okay chance because they're substantially worse than Heavies, and you're able to to just kill Grimnak. You're, you're able to threaten them from killing Grimnak, and so they have to waste a lot of Blades protecting Grimnak, basically. 
I remember reading your 2019 battle report, and um, you said in the 2019 battle report that you were hoping that um, after my nap uh, in my game against Nathan, that you were hoping that I won versus Nathan. So I'd be interested to say, like, why would you rather face the spiders than his little, uh, I don't even remember what he, he had orcs or something. What do he have? Orcs? Two heavies. He had two heavies, uh, Nerak, Raylan, a squad of Mezos, and was that it? Yeah, Horn Skull Brutes, right? Yeah, how do you guys how do you guys remember this yeah. stuff? Well, because but, uh, it's all it's all parts of the army. Like every every part has a function. Because so I like, talk of horned skull brutes all the time. <laughs> horned skull brutes are sweet. I don't think. Hey, all my, all my all my <laughs> army units have functions too, man. I'm curious why you would rather play against the spiders and wyverns if you're saying that melee bonding is the heart. Granted, spiders and wyverns play pretty differently than regular melee bonding. Then versus that yeah. hodgepodge. So one really particular thing about the build I was ha- I had was that an X17, and so you can throw X17 with a Cyberclaw onto a Wyvern, and that Wyvern cannot move because Cyber the X17s include improved Cyberclaw works against large, so the right. Wyverns just shut down for the rest of the game basically. So that's until really he huge. rolls four skulls. I mean that's true, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I think just that potential, like I didn't really have that in any other game where you can just lock something crucial down, but I think it's almost impossible to stop me from locking down a Wyvern like that. Um, and taking one Wyvern out of the game makes it so I can just kill the other. I, I think it's just a pretty favorable matchup for Tate Chasers, basically. I think that, I mean, the one thing is Spiders with two attack have a pretty good shot into the three defense Chasers. That's what, but, Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. when you because when I read that, that's I, I was like, really? The Spiders don't really care if you attack them with four or two. But the spiders could kill the. So that, that's why I was interested. People in that, say maybe. that all the time, but I, I really think it matters. These to have four instead of three, because it's. I mean, you, you can whiff on three, and you can roll one on three. I mean, fifty percent of the time when you have three attack dice, you're going to roll one, and spiders can block one a decent amount of the time. So I, I think it matters that you're going up to four, and you're going to kill spiders a lot more. But anyway, so. I, I guess to me, it was, it was really about X17. It was why I felt I had the, the edge there, is I could just lock down the wyverns, and I and the, also wyverns don't have anything great to pull in that matchup. You know, I have. X-17 is the only hero that's really there. I'm not going to be playing slow. I'm going to come to you, so you're not going to be picking off my squads. Like, the Wyverns, just the things that they normally want to do, they don't really get to do it against that chaser build in particular, right? You, you can't move my Nerath. You can't move my Nerbergsta. You can move my X-17, but I don't really care. Um, you can move my my Death Chasers, but again, I don't really care because I'm running on you anyways. I, I was just curious because um, I was like, maybe he'd rather play against me than Nathan. So. No, <laughs> I feel you guys so. are bad even, like, I don't know. But I was just, I was just curious. Yeah, it was a good question. It's interesting. Okay, so then we have the, the weight and fires, so, like, fourth and uh, tenth. How do you feel about those matchups? To me, I think those are better than normal melee bonding because you're so much faster in the normal melee bonding. I think it's harder for those armies to get set up and, and put pressure on you. I would actually think it's more of a question for for Ken is how comfortable he feels in in, into these weight and fire matchups. Like if you're playing Knights of Weston into a huge pile of red coats backed by Raylan, do you think you have a good shot at that with Knights of Weston? To me, me, I I think that's a really rough game. I think you have a better chance with Death Chasers because you're you're putting the pressure on them and it's a little bit harder for them to have the space that they need. You'll have to listen to episode 10 of Casters of Valhalla to find out. Yeah. Are you telling me we let this guy on the podcast without him listening to our previous episode? Yeah, it's ridiculous. What on earth? Who vetted this guy? Who invited him on? 
Man. <laughs> I, you, I think I was just the one that suggested him. But um, actually, so that's the really funny thing for people who don't know. So I, so I was already gonna invite him. Then both separately, Nathan and Ken privately texted me saying that Veggie should come on. So all three of us, on our own accord, came to the conclusion that Veggie was the perfect fit for this episode. Just that, that, that just speaks to how good of a player he is, especially with these armies. Yeah, I definitely know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> the fact... No, here, here's, here's what you don't... This is what you need to learn from the other episode. Knights beat fourth mass all the time. Knights are yeah. not scared of fourth mass at all. Okay. Redcoats I'm absolutely scared to death of, but that's just because of trauma in my in my in my past but um here's a I question th- ken what about fourth mass and Caros? fourth mass and what caros you know what i hate freaking charos man see th- so that would be the one time i would bring gilbert up because i would need that attack boost right generally i play gilbert more as a commander yeah it's just i think the death chasers are better because of that kind of free raylan move but i feel like you have to move raylan one more time yeah, 100%. You, you, you move Raylan twice for sure to win these games. You move Raylan yeah. once to kind of carry him out and, and, and start grasping the board, and then you move her one more time as, like, your biggest soul from going into you now. Yeah, it's interesting to me about, like, it, you know, uh, you had talked about, like, kind of pinging with Mieberksaw to kind of draw him in and then kind of run out and smash him a little bit and then maybe move Nirak up a little bit to kind of cover that and then keep pinging with me Burks, uh, because I mean the the one thing the Death Chasers can do, man, was four attack dice. They can hit freaking hard. So when they attack, they do kill stuff. So that's that's really good. I I still think the Tenth Regiment would be really tough for that. I don't know. Uh, I think Fourth Mass you could probably win. I don't want to say like like you could fall asleep and play, but you could probably win that most of the. Like over fifty percent of the time, but I would say tenth regiment might still have you. But this is just me kind of theoriescaping. Yeah, I mean, I would say tenth regiment are still pretty rough. I think. I guess my point is, I think it's better than knights of west in in, in tenth regiment. It's really right where I come from. Hmm. You have you, you have Mibirksa that, that can penetrate their their melee defense. You know, he doesn't care about that. You have you, you just have a lot of things going your way. I, I think it's just a little bit more favorable than knights of west in, in that same matchup. I think you'd probably want to run some swags maybe over like a ogre you know swags have eight moves so you can kind of leave them out of the six range and then send them in that'd be interesting to see how you like like the different point totals and how you kind of fill in the last kind of gaps with the, the death chasers but i because I, I hear cody keep talking about the swags so i think he really likes the swags and the death chasers i like um, them they're good yeah 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 i'd have to probably play that in all honesty a couple times before i get a better feel for that I do like I, I I think Death Chasers are definitely better against Trons than Knights are for sure. What do you think yeah. about st- like what do you think about rats? So rats are rough, but I think that you have a little bit better chance than normal melee bonding because you have Mibirksa. You can do the paralyzed stare, which negates scatter if you hit it, which is something people forget about a lot. That if you paralyze, they don't they don't get scatter. So that's pretty nice. And you also have pretty high attack, which helps you hack through the rats without triggering their scatter if you think about it that way that knights of weston you know are only throwing attacks of three on four into the scatter whereas death chasers you're only you're throwing less attacks per turn but you're throwing higher dice each time so it gives them less scatters um yeah i, I, I kind of like them in the, in the rats 
I mean, I don't know uh, if it's favored. It's really hard to say who's favored in rap matchups because the game, games get so grindy. Um, yeah, but, get, but compared and get so to, luck dependent. Yeah. Compared to other melee, though, with with Death Chasers, you have the battle rush, and that kind of helps them combat the rats because the rats want to go, you know, fog up the board fast. But since you're already kind of midway in the board, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, I guess really that, that's my general point with Death Chasers is that they definitely lose the melee bonding matchup relative to the other melee bonding. But I think against the field, against the other matchups, they actually are a little bit better than melee bonding just in terms of the pressure that they can apply to a lot of armies that need time to get set up. Like a lot of yeah. these traditional ranged armies that are popular. I do like the four attack better against Q9, but I feel like though Q9 can mow them down a lot a lot easier than they can mow down heavies. Or I mean, because obviously the, the the heavies are the best against the rats, right? Just because of chomp and disengage. Swaps and disengage. Jeez, Cody. We've got to talk about Aerograts next week for Cody, I think. Um <laughs> But, like, well, the Knights can do a lot of shenanigans with Dispatch to kind of help combat disen- the Rats. And not that, like, it's not without penalty because of disengaging and whatnot. But you can still pull off some surprise things. So, like, and I think, and that's a, one of the ways I found works pretty successfully with the Knights. But, yeah, I think I have to, I got to, you know what I've learned, man? I got to learn, I got to play Death Chasers more than just once in a tournament, I think. They have me, Berkson. Yeah, see, that's, me, that's why I don't play them. That's why, that's what it is. Veggie, how do you feel about them into uh, actually Veggie and Mike? How do you feel about the no fine green scales matchup or just green scales in general? Not good, man. Not good. Well, it's good for if you're the death chasers, but I'm never the death chasers, so it's not good. Yeah, I mean, it's just so easy to to to, to get those swings onto no fine and get damage on him. I mean, what no fine really doesn't want is one random figure running at him and death chasers love to run one random figure at you and you know engage you so it's 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 really just the things that chasers want to do are great against no fine I, I, I think it's a great matchup for the chasers i also think green scales take a little bit to build up a screen since they're only a three squad mm-hmm. yeah yeah but then it's like the screen doesn't even freaking matter because he's throwing four dice with all his figures so it's just like, well, I built this nice screen. Isn't it nice? Oh, wait, it's gone. <laughs> like, that matchup sucks. I hate it. So, cool. I think that's probably pretty good on Death Chasers. Uh, any any closing remarks? Um, anybody and or Veggie? I'll just close. I, I think the Death Chasers are a little bit stronger than Romans, I guess is really what I'm trying to go for here. I think it definitely, I'd rather, I think they're more consistent than Romans in, in tournament-type games. That's the reason I really like them. I don't know if they really... I don't think they compete up there with knights and heavies. I think axe grinders are a little bit more debatable. I really do think axe grinders suffer a lot from matchup dependencies. I think they're a really viable melee bonding squad. Lots going on with them. They're, they're a lot of fun to play. Cool. That's a good way to wrap it up. So let's move on to the final segment, which is going to be a brief overview slash recap slash what happened. Like, what was the planning process for online con? So we talked a lot with Ken, Jeter, and Bo about how the planning process of Gen Con works, which is a whole big thing. Veggie, what's what was the planning process like? Because I know it's not you're not dealing with people who can be difficult. Is is I guess the kindest way to put the Gen Con people they're they're great people they do a lot of great stuff but they can um as ken can attest they can occasionally be a little difficult so so what's the uh online con what was the the planning for that like 
So online con was quite a bit differently than planning Gen Con, I imagine. I mean, so one big difference of what we had here was that we only had three months to plan what we, you know, Gen Con's normally an entire year to plan what, what, what you had to do. So we're on a pretty tight time crunch for planning everything that we were trying to do. So I would say that, that that's probably the biggest difference from planning it. But we also kind of had to work with what, what Gen Con had established for in terms of events. So we used a lot of the, the classic Gen Con events to try to get it going. I mean, really, the, the difficulties were mostly on time constraints. I, I was really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, I wasn't the only person who planned it, I guess is one other thing to, to make clear here is that I, I had quite a bit of help from the other um, the online HeroScape tournament organizers. Um, we used a lot of the infrastructure they had built and we created some other new, another infrastructure there. So um, yeah, like it was, yeah, Doc, Dysel, Superfrog, Kevin Dola, um, Sir HeroScape all, all helped a ton with making this, this event successful, so. I, I was really just one of the people involved in it. If I'm not mistaken, it was kind of your thought originally, correct? Because you're the one that came to us about potentially doing it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I came to you guys. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had thought about it originally, just having this to try to continue to play here at Tournament HeroScape. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated. Like, I think a lot of people are happy about it. Um, when I came to the other online organizers, they, they definitely were excited about it, too. The format that it exists in was actually basically pioneered by Sir HeroScape. Um, he, yeah, he, he did a similar tournament at the very beginning of the, the lockdown in early April, where he, he had a Discord tournament that he ran that was very successful. He had I mean, more people played in that tournament than in the online con championship. He had about, I think, 48 people played in that event. It was, it was very big. It, it, it was really a lot of people that came together to make it. I don't really want to be the full one to take credit here for it. Right. I'm certainly not trying to discredit anybody else. They all did a great job. The event, I, I agree with you. It was definitely a success. Um, I was just, just making it known to the listeners, like Tanner was the one, or Veggie was the reason why, kind of why it happened, though. He was the, the brains behind the organization, and then a lot of other people were obviously instrumental in the actual carrying out of that mission, you know? Kind of like kind of like me, like I'm the, I'm the most important cog of getting Gen Con done, but I'm not the brains of like... Like, I wasn't the one that originally did it, you know? What the crap are you talking about? <laughs> I, 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 I do want to say Veggie was super respectful when he came and approached us and asked us if we, you know, if we were okay with that. And we were absolutely okay with that. Um, we just didn't want it to be called Gen Con, which I think everybody totally understands why. But I think I was super happy that, you know, that the community was able to come together and do stuff. Because, like, in all honesty, between the three and a half of us that do play in Gen Con, only half of us had any idea of anything you guys were talking about. And the other three of us were going to a con already, Ken Con. So, yeah. um, so we weren't able to, to participate in, in all honesty, like I don't understand. I tried to, to watch uh, what's that dude that it's got like the 10 point under thing. Big Big bullfrog. Yeah. He's like recorded some videos and I've tried to watch them. And I just like, I don't know if I'm just, my eyes are too old, but like, I cannot see what's going on. Like, they're talking about stuff, and I'm like, how do you even see that that's happening? So I really do appreciate that you guys are able to do that, and I, I know a lot of the community does enjoy that, so I'm glad that you guys are able to provide that for them. Shout out to Bigga. Check out 10 Points Under if you guys haven't. Um, specifically, check out the episodes guest starring me, but even if not, just check out. It's, it's just a great channel, so... Well, and in all honesty, for me, like I actually kind of turned it on as a podcast and it worked better for me that way because like I didn't see what was going on in the map anyway. So like just to hear them kind of talk about what's going on, it worked. Okay. It worked OK. It wasn't the best, but it worked OK. Yeah, it's definitely a little difficult to follow the online game, especially if you don't really if you haven't played it yourself. 
because you have the figures are all on the top-down view. It changes the way HeroScape is played. Yeah, it, it's fun. The, the online kind of events in particular, we tried to maintain the pace of Gen Con, you know, like we, we had we had two events per day, which I think made it a lot of fun. We, we had we had some, some time constraints too, which made it, you know, normal tournament style games. Overall, I think it was it, it was pretty fun. I don't know. I, I think I know that this is so Cleon played in it too, if he wants to get give some thoughts about how it went from a player perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was nice. Um, I like the Discord chat, which is really nice. Um, you can talk to your opponent while playing, so that just makes a lot of things easier. Yeah, no, I, I had fun. We had a great game, me and Veggie, in uh, day two. Uh, really, really close. It was uh, Cap Wands versus his Death Chaser Aerogrub build, and uh, it was just a really good game. He won. I'm going to have my revenge next Gen Con, so... Yeah, I, I was getting my revenge for a gen kind of long time ago when he beat me on day two when I was playing Elf Wizards and knocked me out. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, it was Elf Wizards and uh, McDurks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was, it was a it was a cool tournament for sure. Yeah, and you can check coverage, check out coverage of uh, of the online con games both on 10 points under. So definitely check out those videos. They're great. Bigger has a lot of great co-casters. Beyond my own shame, what was shameless plug, but like plenty of great collaborators, uh, Super Frog, Doc, you name it, Dola. So on there, and then also uh, check out Filthy on Twitch. So Twitch.tv/Filthy, F-I-L-T-H-E, not Y-E, and that's uh that's our boy Matthew's channel, ISB3, and so him and myself and William, Cody, Nathan, we all uh, rotated through. And we recorded some games on there as well from online con. But overall, I mean, it was it was a really successful weekend. I thought um, I think you guys did a great job running it. I'm curious how many games went to time. Was it was because like I know online games tend to go a little longer, but I know also you guys had the voice chat um, of discord. So were games finishing up or. So I would say a good percentage of games went to time. I don't know exactly what the number is because we would kind of just move on from it. Um, one thing that really helped with these games that frequently went to time was partial card scoring. Uh, I know it's kind of a controversial topic for Gen Con here, but um, it really does help because it's just a more accurate way to score games. Um, I didn't really get too many complaints about, you know, I had one Krav Maga agent left and the other person, you know, like, like just scoring complaints. I basically never heard a single person who felt that they unfairly lost the game on scoring, um, which I think is really important. Yeah, but there were quite a few games that went to time. Um, it was really just where we were trying to keep the games going on um, on a schedule. Um, it was really the reason why we had we had to call a lot of games on time. We, we had to have two events per day. We, we had to have to keep the schedule moving. In the future, would you guys potentially consider 75-minute rounds? I think an extra 15 minutes would probably help in a lot of those cases based on some of the some of what I had seen because I was popping into games and such, just checking out what was happening. Um, and it seemed like a lot of times it was close to finishing up but not quite there. So like yeah. an extra 15 minutes can be the difference between like having kind of like a, a close loss or like this is very decided, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of those games like that are decided, but it's just like cleaning it up you know that happens after time i guess i don't feel too badly about those games going to time but yeah in the future it's kind of hard to say what the future is going to be because we don't really intend i mean we, we we hope not to run another online con you know i mean that's the goal here is to not have to do another one but you never know we are thinking about doing something for national hero escape day that's kind of in our in our plans right now but that would probably only be one tournament 
So we, we probably would have longer rounds for that, you know, probably more like 70 minute rounds. Um, it would be like a longer day event. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely something to, to learn from. The online games are a little bit slower than normal normal Gen Con games, um, but we, we were trying to replicate the pace of Gen Con, so that's why we kept them at Gen Con time limits of 60 minutes. Thank you all so much for listening once again to Casters of Valhalla. Uh, thanks again to Veggie for joining us for these two very special episodes, and until next time, happy scaping. <laughs>